Inside each and every one of us, there is a desire to belong, to know that we can show up as we are without judgment or justification, to know what it feels like to be wanted and longed for, to know the power of community. But what if each and every one of us had the power to create belonging from within? What if there were people already building spaces for you to be you? What if they believe so deeply in the power of connections, justice, collaboration, creativity, and empathy that they knew they could heal the world? That is where you belong. And the exploration of spaces, places, and experiences where we allow ourselves to be free. There is a place where you belong. Welcome. We've been waiting for you to arrive. Hi there, and welcome to Where You Belong, the podcast where we explore spaces, places, and experiences where we allow ourselves to be. My name is Anna Chapman, and I am the guide for your journey. And today on the show, we have Kelly Sunrose, who is a mother, who is a student forever, and is currently getting her master's in English Lit and Writing, hoping there's a book coming, Uh, a teacher of yoga and meditation, and most specifically teaches practices and processes for collective liberation. If you hit up Kelly's website, sunroseyoga.com, you can find yoga anytime videos. You can find Kelly's podcast, the Wildcat Yoga Club, which is a special yoga and like a practice both in um, different uh, physical movements as well as teachings and things. It's like a whole sort of community-based piece of Kelly's work and then there's also some special teachings on there so I'm very excited about the conversation we had it was very sweet and thoughtful and as you're listening I want you to think about how you can meet yourself with this sort of sweet compassionate accountability. We talked a lot about how to hold ourselves accountable and how to really create communities where everyone is uplifted and supported, but everyone holds themselves accountable as well and how vital that is to community and personal healing and growth. As always, I want to invite you to reach out on Instagram at I am Anna Chapman or on Gmail, I am Anna Chapman at gmail.com. You can send us a message, tell us how you're loving the show, or just say hi. And we're on Apple Podcasts now, so subscribe to this little ditty so you don't miss another episode. We're on a roll, we're pumping out epis every week so stay tuned for more magic and if you haven't listened to all the episodes before this check them out we've had some beautiful amazing guests so sit back relax and enjoy belonging with kelly hi everyone and welcome to where you belong i am so excited to have 
my dear friend and actually one of the most inspiring yoga teachers that I got to work with as I was becoming a yoga teacher and who kind of helped me find my way. I'm so happy you're here. Hi, Kelly. Hi. How are you doing today? I am great and I'm so happy to be here with you. Oh, I'm so glad you're here. Um, before I have Kelly take it away and tell us a little bit about who she is and what she does, I want to just share my favorite sort of piece of wisdom that you gave me <laughs> that I I literally held on to it so sweetly because it was the first time anyone had said anything like this to me because I was so I was in my yoga teacher training and something that happens in that first training is that everyone's new everyone's learning and it's like such a basic sort of like here's the body and here's all these different things that I think they're just trying to get enough information in and I was so fixated on like hey, what about bigger bodies? What about different abilities? And like, I just felt kind of weird because I didn't have my space exactly. I kind of felt like I was a troublemaker in class and I wasn't. And I know that the teacher and everyone really appreciated it. But Kelly like looked me in the eye and was like, listen, for like two years of my, two or three years of my class, I went through a phase where we just did floor work and no one got off the floor. She was like, people came and people left, but those floor people always stayed. And those are the people who've continued to see value in my teaching and who like find me even if I change studios. And I was like, okay, I don't have to fixate on getting the most people. I just want to find and create space for my floor people. And like, that's been something that's like, guided me in my work and I don't know if you know that that really <laughs> stuck with me that deeply but I so appreciate you and and just the care and holding that you held space for me for because I was so like finding my self so I just want to thank you and thank you for taking the time to be here today and now I want you to share with everyone who you are, but I just needed to like do my little love fest mm. first. <laughs> oh, Anna. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, I remember those those times and those conversations. And oh, what a treat to go back into that space. Mm. I'm so happy to be here with you. Thank you for inviting me to be a guest here. Um, of course. Yeah, I'm so I'm Kelly. Hi. <laughs> and, Hi. I live in Portland, Oregon with my family. I have two kids, a husband and a dog. And we're home all together <laughs> right now during the pandemic. Um we're lucky to be home together. Mm. Um, but so it, it's interesting because how I introduce myself now in this space, you know, in the, the past 57 days has really been, you know, I'm reorienting uh, to home mm. um, in a new way. And um, 
sorry, I almost went off on a tangent there, but um, in addition, (laughs) in addition to, to making home and doing dishes and laundry, I, I am also a teacher. I teach yoga and meditation and yoga philosophy. And I am a forever student. And right now I'm in a, a slightly more organized form of studentship. I'm working toward some graduate degrees in English literature and writing. And um, yeah, so when I'm not doing all that, I'm in my garden and also taking as many baths as possible. Oh, the best. I really wish I had a bathtub I could put my whole body in. I just have like a foot tub. Mm-hmm. <laughs> also amazing, though. I mean, it's a bathtub, but I can put my feet in it. So I think I should utilize it more, though. You're right. I should find my my own, what bath is for me in this house. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, and you mentioned like this reorienting to this way of living right now that feels like it's kind of displaced our identities a little bit. I was mentioning before the call, um, as work has shifted and things have changed, like it, it's taken me both up and down. Yeah. And I think it's important to talk about like there's very different experiences of this, even in like a privileged state where we both are in our homes, like you have two children and you are now a, not only a mother and like a life teacher, but you're like, a, you have to teach them school and mm-hmm. all of those things. So I love that you brought that into your intro because I think it's, it's such a new sort of, sort of, um, territory that we're traversing it oh it's so true it's it's fascinating I I do feel like you know this my experience of this pandemic and of being home has shifted so much there's been so much adaptation there have been so many shifts in my nervous system responses it's been you know, a fascinating experiment, really a privileged, obviously experiment because I am able to work from home. And so is my, my husband. Um, but yeah, uh, one thing right off the bat that was very interesting to me is I, although I, I love people, Mm. (laughs) I'm also a, an an introvert. And so the way that my, my life is, is usually organized or pre COVID, how it was organized is I did already spend a lot of time at home. Yeah. But, uh, so it's like the leaving home part is not, um, the, the big shift for me. It's that everyone else is also here with me. Uh, yeah. And um, so my house and being in my home has sort of taken on a new energy um, 
and I mean that word in like several different ways, like there's just more happening all the time here. Mm. And um, adapting to that has been a practice. You know, it's like, I can't be grumpy and grouchy with my kids all the time and just be like, why are you guys here? (laughs) (laughs) It's their house too. Um, But but then on the other hand, I also really do need to take care of myself and to find ways of, of, of recharging and getting the quiet that I do want and need. And so it's been a really, you know, that part of the practice has been, um, so challenging, but also very, um, I don't know if useful is the right word, but it's revealed some resilience that I didn't know was there. Yeah. I'm, I'm also noting, noticing some of that for me as well. And just, or, or noticing some ideas I had about myself that just aren't true. Mm. (laughs) And even like I and some of them are like, ooh, I really thought I was like a you know, a real even just create we were talking earlier, like creating this podcast has been a way for me to really acknowledge that like listening for me is a practice. Mm-hmm. And I need and I need more practice. And so creating this has been beautiful because I have this sense of like I'm choosing who I'm having these conversations with, but it's not the me show it's about I want this to be a place where we share ideas but I want to hear about you and so this listening piece is like I was like oh no I thought I was like grade a listener and I I I have an amazing capacity to listen and I have to still try yes (laughs) and it's I mean it's such a gift I mean like uh even in when the realization is in the moment sort of painful. Yeah. <laughs> what an opportunity then to be like, oh, I I have identified this skill that I I can consciously practice now. And it moves us to the truth. Like, I think that's the thing that I'm really starting to root in in my practice is like, I do want the truth, even if the truth is more painful to receive than the fakeness or the mm-hmm. idea about myself. Like, I want that true. And I want the truth of everything. Like, I want, I want authentic connections and I want, I want them to be based in reality. Um, so it's like, it's that I see that gift piece is real and horrible sometimes. Definitely. <laughs> like we can't, we got to still acknowledge like it's, it can feel so debilitating and shameful to see the truth sometimes. Oh, definitely. Yes. hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah. And the practice is like, how do I not feed the shame? have compassion and still take action when I know what's the better move. Mm -hmm. 
that is, I mean, to me, that feels like where discernment is leading us. Mm. Um, like that cultivated practice of staying with it and not reverting to you know self-shaming which then cuts us off yeah to the full experience um you know not turning a blind eye to our own can I swear on this show? Oh, please. Okay. Say all the fucks you want. <laughs> <laughs> you know, not turning a blind eye to our own bullshit, but not letting that then take us down a spiral that leads nowhere useful for for any of us. Yeah. And it, it actually ends up, you know, you're met with a problem and then you make the problem into your into being about you yes and that's something I've really had to practice and I suck at it I'm not gonna lie in my in my partnership because I think that shame I really learned about shame in my family structure you know Catholic love my mom she she didn't you know she learned that as well we all did um but I think that I've been I've been listening to this um shout out to the Insight Timer. I'm kind of obsessed with it. But there's these courses and I've been listening to one with Tara, Tara Brock which mm-hmm. I I love mm-hmm. I love her. Um but she was talking about how um this same idea that you're referencing which is like when we have shame to meet it with um this sort of like I feel this sense of I, I'm wrong or there's something wrong within me. And then to me, that hurt part with more condemnation around how wrong you are is so counterintuitive to how we actually learn um, mm-hmm. and change and grow. Yes. And so it's like I've been in this practice of being like, okay, oh, I feel this real like strong sense of I've I've either done something wrong or said something wrong and then kind of like self-validating that okay you may, yeah maybe you made a mistake and kind of giving my myself the the excuses because my tendencies I want to I don't want people to be hurt or I don't want that. So then my shame turns into like, I'm spewing out about like, well, this is what I, where I was thinking and, and all of these sort of intentions around what I was trying to get mm-hmm. across or mm-hmm. trying to do. Yeah. And then the other person is left with this all of my emotions and their initial issue isn't being met because now it's just about my shame. Right. Right. Absolutely. <laughs> yes. Such a, it, shame is that cycle of that just keeps you in it. You can't ever get out until you acknowledge like, oh, I feel shame. Mm-hmm. Like I have to say it. I don't know why I got into that piece, but something you were saying really took me there. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. It's um. so right now I'm teaching this immersion mm-hmm. um, where, and in these immersions we center a text from the traditions 
And then we usually bring in a companion text from contemporary life to sort of to 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 be the bridge that brings us into now. And And so let me stop. So for anyone who might not know which text you're referencing. Well, yeah. So the text that we're working with right now is the Upanishads. um, So very old and, and we're using, but you know, and like the, the, the teachings are all around how we're not separate. We're never Mm -hmm. separate. And I mean, that's obviously like a, major distillation of a lot of words. Um, and, and the text that we're using as a companion is turn this world inside out, uh, the emergence of nurturance culture by mm. Nora Samaron, which I cannot, I haven't read this oh, book. It is. I, if I could give it to every single person, I would. But so anyway, part of, um, the one of the the enduring examples through this book is like is holding the circle this like a, a circle of accountability for each other um where we're equal parts free to be ourselves completely and to make every potential human mistake and the flip side of that is that we're accountable to the people that we're in community with. And, and, and I don't mean that in the sense that they will punish us, but they feel a responsibility to our growth as well. So we're all holding each other in, in full autonomy and expression, but also in, in accountability. And it's sort of like, it's that like accountability as love. And part of the part of the the work within that is um, having you know the responsibility piece be such that it's consequential and educational, so that you are are not immediately driven into shame if you make a mistake, if you, you know, do something wrong, that you stay with the, the, the situation, you stay in the moment rather than reverting to a story about your own shame or about how now you're the victim of the group that's trying to hold you accountable. Wow. It's so good. It's so good. Also, you're just really just, you know, you're really speaking to white fragility mm -hmm, and, mm -hmm. and how, um, how toxic it can be. And also how, um, automatic it is. Yes. And like deeply, I think it's deeply ingrained in us. Definitely. To be these, these fragile Yes. beings really you know and then love to, the power yeah i'm sorry um and then to just derail the bigger work of equity and liberation yes like oh it just knocks it just recenters everything and um 
doesn't end up helping anyone. Yeah. I think that's the real piece that that we forget that like when we aren't being accountable, we're also not growing and yeah. we're also not respecting our fellow community members. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I love that you're bringing... So that's also another reason why I have always been so um, connect, like connected to your work and just to you as a person is that you are so deeply attached, not attached, so deeply inspired and um, ingrained and entrenched in the yogic philosophy and the all of the different teachings and tradition and and also in 2020 mm-hmm. and you've been doing this for a long time there's your you have this other piece which is the like of the culture that we reside how do we bring the ancient with what needs to happen for truly creating that equitable world that we we all want or say we want like how to bring those together which is um beautiful and takes a lot of tenacity because i think it's so easy to like some of the traditions are so dreamy <laughs> like you know you could just really get um you could kind of spiritually bypass pretty easily, which is something I know that I have done in the past um, by not on purpose, but just in kind of being like, well, you know, I'm just going to say these affirmations or I'm going to do these prayers or whatever. And, and then that will, I'll be accountable in that way. And it's like, that doesn't, that doesn't actually connect to or or acknowledge the harm I may be causing in my community by being oblivious or being um not using that place where I have privilege in a in a constructive and supportive uplifting way for everyone yes I and I do think that that um endures um in some circles i i know that that endures in in some circles um and i do i think what is useful just for anyone engaged in whatever practice you're engaged in is to like frequently ask the question why am I doing this? Mm-hmm. And then to, you know, to like refine it a little bit to be like, okay. And then, but why do I want to do that? And why do I want to do that? And why do I want to do that? And to, you know, just be really honest about what is underneath all of that. Yeah. And, um, I, I I have not talked about this a ton. <laughs> um, the I this next little tangent I'm or big tangent I'm going on, but in the in the fall I in November I um, 
I took the Bodhisattva vow for the first time with um, Roshi Joan Halifax and with a, a Tibetan Buddhist teacher, uh, John, Dr. John Dunn. And this was this thing, like the Bodhisattva vow for me was this entity that I had projected various things onto over the years. Over, I, So I started practicing in 1997. And so over you know, the course of about 20 years, I had had various relationships with this, you know, this, this practice of, you know, where whatever benefit, so just in a nutshell, the, the Bodhisattva vow is like, whatever benefit that I um, may create or, or, or receive from my practice I'm offering that up to the liberation of all beings everywhere in space, everywhere in time. Mm. And, um, and so, you know, over the, like in the beginning of practice for me, it was like, <clears throat> I was so cavalier. I was like, Oh, obviously I'm obvious. I'm, I'm already a bodhisattva. Um, probably in that voice too. Oh, like and, a valley girl. You know, and then and then there were a number of years where I flipped to the other side where I was like, I am not ready. Like I that's too much to carry. I can't hold mm. that. Mm. And then um <clears throat> just being in conversation with my teachers. <clears throat> Sorry, I might cry about this. Oh, yeah. Um, no, I love it. Candace cried <laughs> on that episode, and it's one of my favorites. Um, and my friends, um, when talking about this, I had this realization where I was like, oh, no, it's actually not up to me. Mm. This has been happening. This, like, everything has been leading to this is, like, the only outcome that was ever <laughs> available. Mm. And, and I think I always thought that when it came time to officially take the vow, I would be this person who was like, you know, like had everything figured out and did everything right. Yeah. And, you know, didn't swear or need to put earplugs in sometimes when I was around my kids and what actually has revealed itself, like where the, the, the teachings have led me is like, oh, no, I'm actually now more aware in my body and in every aspect of myself that like, I am no better, no worse than any other person who has ever lived and who will ever live. And it has made me aware of every transgression in my own mind. And that has only, that hasn't, that doesn't open to shame. It opens to compassion. Mm -hmm for 
all the other people, all the other humans who are, you know, just like scratching away at the earth, just like, just like me. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I can't, now I can't remember how I got there. (laughs) Oh my God. That was so beautiful though. No, I definitely, I felt so much, um, presence as you were talking. It actually brought me to tears Mm. because, Ooh, yeah, we just, we have to, we have to get over that idea that anyone is less than us ever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> wow, what a beautiful moment. Thank you so much for mm-hmm. showing up and um, allowing me the same. Mm-hmm. And so I, I want to know, you know, with this learning and everything that you've kind of discovered I ask three, but you can say, you know, however many you feel the need. What are some things that you have found are vitally important for this idea of how we, maybe how we can see the connectedness in everyone, how we really make everyone feel welcome to show up with us. And that could be, you know, in your teaching, it could be mm-hmm. in your life. But I'm just curious in in what you have discovered. Mm-hmm. I love this question. I also love that you sent this to me ahead of time. <laughs> um, because I really have like rolled around with it in um, a number of different ways. Uh, because on the one hand, I'm thinking about how little control I frequently have over, you know, like the, the environment that, you know, you just kind of walk into a space and you're given what's there. Yeah. But on the other side of that, so, so as I was playing with this, I ask myself the question, okay, what do I, what, what in this moment, what right now would make me, <laughs> what do I want in my environment? <laughs> yeah. And my answer was to myself was sensory awareness, <laughs> mm. which like is a very, that's just like super basic physical stuff like is it too loud is it too quiet what like what does it smell like what got it so just like making sure that the senses are not going to be overloaded the minute someone walks in yes that there's kind of this like care and consideration to how you will feel what you'll see what you'll hear what you might smell and taste yes Ooh. And then the other, then I, I, I was just brainstorming about when I have felt like I didn't belong in a space, Mm. um, which has, I can't remember if I mentioned this earlier, but I used to be a practicing attorney, um, 
I before. love this fact about you. I do know this fact about you. And I always giggle. And I'm like, ugh. And so I, you know, I've been in a lot of different environments that weren't necessarily um, there for me. And, and I don't just mean me. I mean, like, relationships and human beings in general, where it's like the structure was valued over the relationship or the over the experience. And so I know that like I am consciously and unconsciously always trying to have structure because that creates some support and stability, but also like the relationship matters the way people feel it matters and then something else that for me that I'm that I'm always in that I need and I'm hoping that my students like (laughs) (laughs) I mean I think they would you know this is sort of like baked into a lot of my (laughs) advanced teachings so I'm like people wouldn't come back if they (laughs) were not into this but I am like process is part of the practice. And I mean, like, I mean that in, we are constantly checking in on how we're doing the thing as much as the, what we're doing. Yeah. And I have just found that like, that is where I really thrive when we're constantly like, checking back in around values and, and, and having those exist both on the, the, the most basic level and then on the big visionary level. And, you know, if there was a way for me to articulate this, uh, it, it would be to quote from Adrian Marie Brown's emergent strategy, where she talks about, the 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 strategy of the fractal where mm. you know the 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 daily is a mirror of the the visionary where the mundane is the is the mirror for the the visionary and so that for sure for me like incorporating lots of process in and it Personally, I am always checking myself, like Mm -hmm. even after I've processed as a group, I afterwards am like, okay, how did I show up to this space? How like there are a bunch of um, markers that I that I have for myself that, you know, where I'm like, this is how I want to be showing up how did I do? And also then like constantly reevaluating those where I'm like, is this still a good um, way of checking in? So I think, you know, in the context of yoga, like how we we would refer to that as Svadhyay or self-study, but extending it into the, like as part of the group, like, oh, as a group, we're studying our self at, like, how are we functioning together? 
Yeah. And I think that is, um, I think that's something that I've noticed developmentally, like in the way people have awareness around the group outside of themselves. It's really around like as a fan, as in your family of origin or whoever you were growing with, was there space for everyone to check in or was it, you know, mom's way or the highway or was it, and that's where I can identify like, Oh, am I, am I having to learn how to really be considerate? Because I think something that I had an idea about myself with is that I was just automatically considerate Mm -hmm. because I think I really have internalized that. Like I'm a good girl. I, or I want, you know, I want to be good. I want to, say thank you and please and all these things that you know uh, our parents or who our caretakers really push sometimes and so I really thought that the bare minimum of care was actually like a deep consideration and I'm finding now that uh it can't just be saying how are you doing it's mm-hmm. also meeting someone um, and one of uh, this amazing woman named Diana, I, I don't have her last name. She's great. She has a, a, a group called Coaching Peace, um, and they do process work, basically, mm-hmm. um, in sports. So making the process of building the team and being part of the team and playing in the, in the games playing in the sports. That's how much how sporty I am. Um, that, that process has to be more important than the outcome. Yeah. Or we're not going to, um, or it's just, it's not going to be a sustainable outcome basically. Mm-hmm. And in checking in around um, this thing of like how we show up in group spaces, I've had to really, really, first identify like what what is how do I want to show up which is what you're saying is like asking myself that and then I actually have to be honest when I'm not and that's that accountability piece but it's so hard so do you have any advice for maybe even like a little practice on when someone is you know receiving feedback or or finding something new about themselves that might, you know, the automated response might be to berate or belittle themselves. Um, what might be another, another tool? Yeah. I, I love this. I, I, you know, I, even though it's hard to see it this way in the moment, but true feedback, you know, not I'm not talking about when someone is just being rude to you or when someone is um they're offering something up that is not for you but like true feedback when someone is like oh I noticed this thing and I thought you might want to know about this that is such a gift the bravery it takes another person to show up and be so like, oh my God. And the care that they are showing for you is huge. And it's hard, like in the moment, you can feel a million things. You can feel embarrassed. You can feel 
anger, you can feel sad, like you're just shattered. Um, all of that can happen in a moment. And if we could just pause and be like, okay, can I just receive this? And, you know, you might not be able to like fully process it in the moment. So, you know, I am all for like putting a pin in it and coming back. Um, but always come back. Yes. Mm -hmm. And, and also to, you know, particularly if this is offered in a public way and, and, and I'm really hesitant to even to put this out there because I feel like there's a difference between like feedback that you would give someone and like a, a kind of call out or call in yeah. online. But if, you know, to thank the person is huge. Yeah. Um, and to, you know, there is, there is to acknowledge that like our instinct might be to say, Oh, I didn't mean for this. Da, 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 da. This is what I meant to da, 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 all of that. And like, that's, super normal that's a totally yeah normal response but it's like not helpful to you to just instead if it's at all possible to say thank you and to really like look at it as a gift an opportunity to grow mm. and like someone's work who has been very useful to me in this respect is Carol Dweck. Um, she is at Stanford and she wrote a book called Mindset. And, you know, it, which is really about like cultivating a growth mindset and mm. cultivating a way of being where you are able to receive criticism um, as an opportunity as a teaching and then also like a challenge like wow I thought I was pretty great I could be uh, even better totally <laughs> you know totally I love that invitation too of like take it grab it by I want to say grab by the balls I just grab it by the horns grab it by whatever yes um and 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 really step into meeting it yeah. And I'm going to say this. This is a practice I practice all the time and I mess up all the time. But the thing that I think keeps both my community and friends and partner and me in the game is that I, my dedication to doing better doesn't waver. Yeah. My actions sometimes... I can be on a fuck up streak. I can do the same thing again and again, but that dedication to like, I, I know I'm messing up and I'm still, I'm trying. And even when it looks like I'm not trying it inside, I'm trying so hard. That dedication is mine. And I, I feel it and I put the fire in it. And I then can also hold myself. And I think that's the other part is that, we have to hold our own fragility because it's real. We yeah. don't have to not have it. You don't have to be ashamed because your feelings are very, you know, delicate. 
I'm a very sensitive person and I think it's a huge gift, but it also can create a lot of, of strenuous emotions for things that I'm processing. So mm-hmm. having, you know, I think for me personally, my morning meditation is the thing that helps me validate and ground and orient to the day. Mm-hmm. And I found that I actually have to acknowledge and, and sometimes I have to like do a particular meditation for that particular feeling I'm having. And then it's like, oh, I just gave that feeling a moment instead of I don't want to feel that I'm not going to. Like I'm, I'm trying so hard these days to just really lean into that. Mm-hmm. <sighs> wow. Well, I... I'm so grateful that you have been here with us and just mm. the richness of and the thoughtfulness that you carry is so it's contagious and it's it's so needed. Mm. And I want to ask my money maker question. Mm. And this is this is the big one. So if you were to have a wand, a magic wand, a magic it's fairy dust, whatever magical, you can choose how you, you submit the magic. Um, and you could change one thing about the world to make it feel more welcoming and belonging for you and your community. What would that be? I would... Wave my wand. I was trying to choose the vehicle. (laughs) (laughs) I want everyone, every being to really, truly love themselves Mm -hmm. so that they, we can love each other. Yeah. That's beautiful. It's that that whole idea of like, you know, if we want peace outside, we have to start with that peace inside. Mm-hmm. And that love is, and it's a practice. For sure. And it's like that, you know, it's like when you love yourself, then you realize that yourself is bigger and wider and broader and more vast than what you thought it was at the beginning. And it's only natural that more and more comes into your understanding of yourself. Mm. Yeah, this reminds me of this... um this idea, my brother and I are in the same, um, we're both a part of the diamond approach, which is like a spiritual school. Uh, but, uh, when I was first starting, I, I would get so upset because there was so much pain that I didn't realize I had inside of me. And I was like, am I doing it wrong? Like, is this, Mm. is this like, is he, do you do this? Is this worth it? Like I was really trying to find like what? (laughs) And he was like, Oh, it's really working. I was like, (laughs) why? And he was like, because your soul 
is seeing all you have capacity and you care and you want this. And so it's so excited to show you all of the places that need your attention and love. And like at, at the time I was like, that's bullshit. I hate you. <laughs> I love you. But you know, it's my brother. But then, mm-hmm. you know, over the years, it's been such a nice thing to come back to because it's like when I can reset I love this idea. I want to read this mindset book, but if I can kind of help my brain to wrap itself around the idea that to know more about me, like the true essence of me, whether it be painful or exciting and joyful, it does not matter because that's all the truth of who I am Mm -hmm. or of the barriers to who I am. So I love that. And I want to say yes. And I, I think that that would be such a gift to the world. Mm. And before we go, because I think that folks might listen and be like, uh, I'm trying to get in on these classes. How do we find <laughs> you? Well, my online home, my okay. home base is sunroseyoga.com. And from there, you can find all of the places where I'm teaching. Um, I, I teach weekly classes via live stream. I have um, ongoing immersions. I have content that lives at yoga anytime. And the best way to find all of that is on my website. Amazing. And then also, if anyone's like, yoga, maybe they've only taken yoga with me. Can anyone come to your class? Oh, yeah. Oh, Oh, definitely. Uh, I teach a a weekly public um, drop-in class at North Portland Yoga, which is happening online. Um, It's 8 a.m. on Saturdays. It's called Grounding Practice. We mostly are on the floor. (laughs) See, the floor people, they were like, we like the floor. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I love that. And it's so great to know that we can um, find you and practice with you because I think that you really are bridging social justice and um, yoga in such a beautiful way. And I love uh, the yoga philosophy. And I think when you take a... You know, if you're taking a lot of of the yoga asana movement practice, you don't get that juicy kind of educational piece. And I remember like loving it when I was in my like yoga teacher training. And so it's nice that people can access that even if they just want to learn more or or start a practice. So I'm mm-hmm. I'm just like, oh, what a great what a great service and that you offer and just I loved hearing about coming into that teaching space of this is mm. this work is for liberating everyone. Um, I'm I'm loving this convo. I'm so glad that we got some time to connect and that we got to share it with our where you belong family. Mm-hmm. So thank you so much, Anna. It was such a treat. Like so so nourishing to be in the same etheric space as you. (laughs) 
It's so nice to talk to you. I hope you have the best Saturday. Thanks. You too. Bye, everybody. Bye.